0: Hello, and welcome to the Post to post podcast. It is podcast number seventy six coming at you on May nineteenth. My name's Neil. And um, my name is Brent. Hello. Is Brent. yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is this gonna be the last podcast of the conference finals? I think it is.
1: This should be the last podcast, yes, of the conference finals, the next podcast next Sunday. We will know the final matchup. I don't think we'll have any games underway by then, but maybe the game one will be Sunday.
0: Yeah, I haven't looked ahead at the schedule, to be honest, but we should be very close to game one. Uh, And then that, I believe, is the final podcast of the season, technically, for us. Technically. Because you leave on your vacation, I think, shortly after that. Just a
1: few hours after we record. By the time this podcast goes to air
0: (laughs) next week... Um, your mother and I will be in the air somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So this is the second last podcast of the season. Uh, B- with me, with you, spoiler alert. I have some people coming to visit and, uh, I'll be doing some podcasts with them. I don't, am not sure if they're going to be hockey related or not, but they will, there will definitely be some podcasts done. And then once you get back for your, from your trip, we'll do a trip recap podcast Totally. and then likely take a break for the summer. As far as podcasts go, even having a yak, taking a break, we'll do the odd having a yak, but okay, yeah, I'd like. Oh to, man, th- I want to take a break from the podcast because it eats so much time, and I'd rather use that time to make like regular videos. All right, because I got a lot of videos I want to make. So, oh man, that, that's that's
1: bad news though. That's grim. Is it podcast? It's all about regularity. It's all about being there, being dependable, being. You see how many comments come in on Sunday. Oh, I've been waiting all day. It makes my day. It makes my week. I love Sundays because the podcast comes out.
0: Yeah, but a vacation is also nice. It's nice to take a break and recharge.
1: Well, but the show must go on. People who deliver amazing show business content,
0: they don't (laughs) get vacations. Good Mythical Morning. They just finished season 15. They're taking a two-week break and they're coming back. Unacceptable. What? It's unacceptable. What? What do you
1: mean? Because... People come to depend on stuff. It's all about dependability.
0: I hate things when I hate when my routine gets screwed up. I understand that. I hate that. But I mean, less podcasts mean more videos. It's not like there's going to be less content. It's just going to be different content. But I think and, you, and I think more interesting content. I think your
1: podcast audience and your video audience, the Venn diagram does overlap quite a bit. But there are podcast consumers who are not video consumers, and you're shortchanging them. You're leaving them out.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree, (laughs) but what about the other people?
1: I'm just sticking up for you folks. That's all I'm doing, sticking up. I I know I won't get anywhere because it's his show, not mine. But when I'm listening, for instance, uh, in my morning radio routine, when I'm having my shower and brushing my teeth and shaving and all those things, I have a radio on, and I like to listen to the same thing every day. I like to mm-hmm. listen to the same people in the same studio telling me what's going on that day. Okay. I don't like it when, oh, for this today, we're going to be out in Surrey at the, at, at the Pocomoke cafe, uh, where they're serving breakfast today. Mm-hmm. And then you hear all this background noise and there, it all becomes about that trip and not about the content that I'm depending on because it's Thursday, damn it. And I want my content, it's Thursday. So I actually changed the channel. I, I go away. I don't come back. I don't I don't want to hear about the Pokemon Cafe in Surrey or whatever it is. It I'm sounds gone. it
0: sounds like you're you're suggesting that the content is going to take a dive as far as quality. No.
1: <laughs> I'm just suggesting that people develop an expectation <clears throat> whether it's to content or to timing or to both and they expect to be fed according to that expectation.
0: Yeah, but it's good to right. adapt. It's good to provide different levels of content. You can't just sit here and talk all day.
1: They will get by. I agree. They won't be happy, but they'll find something else to do,
0: and they'll be back, most of them. Some won't. You don't think some people would kind of have a, a yearning for some logo ranking videos and some, some lighthearted fun videos where we totally make fun of things and laugh instead totally. of just sitting and listening to us talk about serious things?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I completely think that that is the case. So let's feed them. Let's feed those people. But you can feed more than one group of people. This is... (laughs) It's
0: It's all about time. It's not an either-or situation. No, but it's about time.
1: Yeah, it is. Used to be a TV show called that. (laughs) Anyway. I'm drinking out of my new Dusseldorf mug. There you go. That we got from the boys in Sweden and elsewhere. And elsewhere. It came out of a box that came from Sweden. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, my first time, my first trip in the Dusseldorf mug. That's your first drink. My first drink out of it. And the coffee is amazing. Okay. The people of Dusseldorf know how to make coffee. Clearly. Came straight from there, eh? Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's get into some hockey talk. This whole podcast is going to be half hockey, half having a yak. If you don't know what having a yak is, it's our other podcast on our second channel where we literally just ask, or I ask questions, and uh, he gives me his answers and opinions, and it's really like it just goes wherever. It's a a conversational, life-based There is no script. There is no script. script. (laughs) Uh, Most of these questions are, well, I wouldn't say most questions, but I would say half the questions are comedy-based or funny. Um yeah, so we're gonna do the last half of this podcast um as that because there's not enough hockey content to really talk about. And we made a pretty long video earlier this week. It was thirty minutes, it's basically a half of a podcast in itself. So okay, so the Boston Carolina series, uh Boston Sweeps Carolina. We'll, let's treat this podcast as that video. We won't do a separate video on that series. So uh a couple things I want to bring up in this in this series. Number one, I'm disappointed yeah, because each. now I have less hockey to watch. Um, but I'm not really disappointed because I wasn't really excited for that series. It it had a lot of potential.
1: First game, maybe second game, had a lot of potential. I thought if Carolina could have jumped out, taken advantage of the fact that McAvoy was was suspended for that game and, and put their foot on the gas and gotten that game and turned it into a series, maybe. But uh, McAvoy's back in game two, they're even stronger. And then I, I I lost after that. I just, yeah. I, I did watch the beginning of game three just to see the energy in the building, which was substantial,
0: mm-hmm. but it wasn't matched on the ice. And, uh. It was, I don't know, it just wasn't that interesting. Mm. And I, that's nothing to do with Boston or Carolina. Uh, I just, I don't know why. I just wasn't really that interested. And I guess I wasn't really emotionally invested in any of those two teams that much. Carolina, obviously I, I was a little bit, but. Um, not so much Boston, but uh, the best team won. Yep. The best team definitely won. Uh, Boston 100% deserved that victory, um, or that that series victory. They were by far the better team. Um, I think they are the most complete team. And uh, I'm honestly not that surprised it was this week because of how strong Boston is. I would have suspected that Carolina would have gotten better goaltending in all four games, not mm-hmm. just in the last two so that could have been a factor, but anyway, yeah. So uh, a couple notes here, a couple questions. First question I have for you is, who's Boston's MVP so far? Uh, it's, I would say Rask. I would also say Rask. It's kind of not
1: close yeah. for me. It's the last win, a total, total owning. There it was it was a shutout for nothing.
0: He's and it hasn't been just this series. Like he's been good every single series. He has, he has,
1: and and he's scary good now. And they've got Halak sitting there, and Casey, you know, if he trips and who also played a extremely well this year, he's incredible. Some of the
0: best numbers in the in the NHL overall. I, so Boston is scary good, scary good. I, I'm as a as a Sharks fan, and as someone who also cheers for the Blues, I'm kind of scared mm-hmm. because I'm. I can kind of tell which way this is going, and I don't like it.
1: <laughs> and that's, that's put me in a, in a bit of a conundrum because I have two goals in this Stanley Cup final when it happens. Now now that we know Boston is in, I, A, I want Boston to not win. B, I do want St. Louis to get in the finals, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I think those goals are in conflict. Because I think San Jose actually has a better chance of beating Boston. But I I don't know that. And I want, I think my number one goal is for Boston to not win, no matter who beats them. I don't have a negative influence uh, in Mm -hmm. my brain for San Jose. I just, I happen to like St. Louis a little bit more. And I think it's a better story, slightly. But I also think it's a great story. If San San Jose were to play Boston, and you've got Joe Thornton coming back, playing against his original team, uh, and still playing well and being a factor in that series, I would love to see that too
0: that's a great storyline
1: it's a huge storyline. Huge and he's story never won line. the
0: cup before he has not so um it would be great I feel like I feel like you're right there I think San Jose does have the better chance just strictly based on offense and um I don't I think St Louis definitely has a chance against Boston oh yeah yeah. I just I think their styles are a little bit too similar and I think Boston holds the advantage in almost every category mm-hmm. so I would statistically pick Boston over St. Louis for sure. Mm-hmm. So if we just transition back to Carolina a little bit. Yeah. Who do you, who's to blame? I if if I was going to point a
1: finger at at one individual behind the bench or on the bench I think I would point it at Justin Williams. As good as he is, I think his own internal demons or discipline problems in the last two games, I think, really ruined the chances of the uh, Hurricanes. I completely agree. Well, what was he thinking? I don't know. Like, I know he's trying to spark the team, trying to get them going. But there's there's right ways and wrong ways to do that, and he seemed to pick the bad the bad way of doing it every time.
0: Like he was taking ridiculous penalties. Just dumb. And I think he had three in the first period in Game 3 or 4. I don't remember what game it was. Um, and, like, stupid penalties in the offensive zone. Uh, like, he's their leader. He's And not only is, there, is he their leader, he's old. Like, he's been around for a while in this game. Yeah. Like, that's someone who has tamed their emotions over the past 20 years in hockey. Mm-hmm. What's he doing? You know, in the first couple of
1: rounds, I thought, he was one of their best assets. Absolutely. He was He was contributing on the score sheet. He was contributing, I'm absolutely sure, in the dressing room, although I was never in there. Uh, he was firing at all cylinders, and he was one of the, almost a team mascot, as well as its captain, Seriously, right? yeah. And then this happens. And who's, like when Justin Williams is playing as a normal captain, and Fogle or someone else takes a bad penalty or acts out, it's Justin Williams' job to go over there and come on now, settle down. He's the captain. Mm-hmm. He's, that's part of his job is to settle down his own team. But when he's the miscreant, <laughs> when, who settles him down other than the coach? I mean, Brenda Moore would have. Who's also almost the same age. <laughs> really? They were teammates. Yeah.
0: Um <sighs> I just, I find that just a little bizarre. And it wasn't just about him getting or taking penalties. It was about how he reacted to every single penalty. Totally. Just like laughing, kind of like, oh, the, the refs are a joke or whatever, as he <laughs> skated to the penalty box. Man, you're a captain. I, have you watched any replays of your of your own penalties? Like, I, okay, I will admit there was, out of the eight penalties that he took or whatever, I would say maybe one or two of them were not actually penalties. Right. So it's not completely all to blame on him, but still... I mean, it, it, to me, it was a little bit more about his attitude about the whole thing mm-hmm. versus him taking the penalties in general. Totally, like, yeah. He, like, he just thought it was a joke, and it was like, dude, you're in the conference finals, yeah, and you're putting your team down, and, you're the, and the, you're the captain, you're the leader. What are you doing?
1: And just because the rest of NHL nation has a bone to pick with all sorts of officiating teams in the last yeah. couple of weeks doesn't mean you do that on the ice with them, mm. right? I, I just, I feel bad for everybody. I still think they would have lost, even with a perfectly tuned-up... Justin Williams, I think Boston was too much for them. It might've got another game or two, Yeah, but, uh, it, it happened and and it ended early. Boston gets a rest. Uh, they earned it. Hopefully not too much of a rest. We've had that conversation Mm -hmm. uh, once or twice before, but Carolina, I think they have a lot to shoot for for next
0: year, a lot to be excited about. Oh, absolutely. This team is trending in the right direction. Like this team is going to be really good for probably the next five to seven years. Oh Yeah. And notice at the end of the game, how in some places, the
1: fans are streaming out with, especially in a 4 nothing game, uh, even when it was 2-0 at the start of the third, you probably know how it's going to end. Everybody stayed around though. And oh they yeah, And they stayed around. And yeah, after the handshakes, Boston filed off the ice and Carolina stayed there at center ice, obviously didn't do the storm surge or anything. Mm. But the sticks were up and the fans were loud and, and cheering strongly for them just to say thank you. I think that was a very important
0: moment. Right Absolutely. There. Just as a franchise in general, that was a huge moment yeah. um, for the players, for the coaching staff, for the owner himself. That was that was a pretty big deal. Um, however, not every single Carolina fan was respectful after the game. Did you see what happened between some Boston fans and some Carolina fans? I didn't, no. So there's basically a, a row of Boston fans kind of sitting uh, and this is in Carolina, so they're like they're all sitting together. And in front, the row in front of them, there are mostly Carolina fans. And there are two Carolina fans in that row who are, I would say, elderly or older. They're probably older than you. <laughs> Better be. Um, there was a, a man and a woman. I I assume that they were married. And there's video of this. And I don't know what happened. There's no like lead up. If there is a lead up portion of this video, I didn't see it, so I don't know what caused this, but. Uh, The video shows her standing up, looking back at the Boston fans, and then literally slapping one of them in the face. And then her husband, we'll assume, is sitting down next to her, pointed away from her but towards the person taking the camera. And he's got his fingers up like this, giving two fingers. The old old guy. (laughs) The old guy. So that was not a good representation of the typical Carolina fan. No, it's not. Uh, Every team has those fans. Yep. It was a funny video. I enjoyed watching it. But, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that. If you haven't seen it, it's on (laughs) YouTube. I didn't see it. Uh, It's on on Twitter as well. But (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just to circle back to the Justin Williams thing, Mm -hmm. and I try and be as fair as possible uh, when I'm talking hockey, and even though I don't like what Justin Williams did and we kind of bash him a little bit there, in his defense – The refing has been inconsistent from series to series. What was acceptable in one series, as far as physicality, is seemingly not acceptable in another series. That's an issue in itself. Um, That's probably been an issue in the NHL playoffs forever. Um, I don't think there's anything we can do about it. I don't know why that they don't put a little bit more focus on uh, consistency as far as a a group when the, when the officials meet and stuff. Like, I, I just don't understand. Um, anyway, um, yeah, uh, definitely big props to Bruce Cassidy and the coaching staff of Boston. It's not all on the players. Uh, coaching is a huge part of it. And that goes to Carolina, too, as well. Um, mm-hmm. Rob Brindamore and that whole coaching staff. Fantastic job. They Both those teams did a tremendous job. And I think, like, in Carolina specifically, I don't think we knew how important that coaching staff was until the playoffs until the storylines came out until we get got to see the behind the scenes videos until there was a little bit more attention on the team. Uh, I thought that was really important. We got to get to know the players a little bit more in the coaching staff and their interactions. So, uh, I think Carolina is probably one of the best coached teams this year and same with Boston, uh, Bruce Cassidy, since he's, since he came in, in relief of, uh, uh Claude Julian has mm-hmm. done a tremendous job. He, he
1: has, he's done a great job and he's, um, I don't know what the limit is for him. He's, he's not, I don't think he was a player prior to being a coach. Oh, I think he was. Oh, okay. I don't remember him. He, he certainly wasn't an A-level.
0: A no, he wasn't a superstar.
1: Yeah. Uh, not, not that you have to be. Like, Moore was well-known yes. on Philly and on Carolina. Yeah. And sometimes you wonder about those players. For instance, when Gretzky was coaching in Phoenix, right? Yeah,
0: and even like Mark Recky. Yeah, he was a pretty prominent name and player. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who holds who holds some records actually in the NHL? Has a lot of points, like underrated player. Basically, yeah. um, he's spent some time coaching with Pittsburgh, and I think even maybe Carolina. Um, I, I don't remember. Perhaps. Um. Anyway, he's been around. And he still is around. And yeah. he's a he's a very good hockey mind. So. Uh, and I think you have
1: two. Two breeds of coach. One come from the management side that have worked their way up. They've coached university hockey and then ECHL, AHL, and on up. Uh, then you've got coaches that come in from player side. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's one way or the other that's preferred, but when you've got the Scotty Bowmans and the Mike Babcocks and Pat Quinns and coaches like Ken that, Hitchcock. Yeah, Ken Hitchcock. These are guys that that are total coaches from the beginning. Yeah. On the other side, you've got uh, Todd McClellan, I think. Was uh, was he not a player?
0: Um, I think he was. I, don't, I can't remember who he played yeah. for, but I'm, I'm, I think you're right there.
1: And Mario Girard, Tremblay. Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant, who was a player. Yeah. Claude Julien,
0: even, I think. Yeah. Was, it's interesting,
1: yeah. though, with Gerard Gallant. He he was a player uh, with Detroit for many years, and I think maybe elsewhere. Dan but Dan then, well. then he came back and started at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He coached in St. John, coached the Sea Dogs, right? Then he went as an assistant coach to the Islanders. Well, he even started before that. He used to coach the Summerside Capitals. That's right. Yeah, the Summerside Western Capitals here in our league. Um, that's right, yeah. So it's interesting to to see the, the, the origins of these different coaches. And you go back to Bruce Cassidy. I'm not sure what his origins are. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's done a phenomenal job with, admittedly, a phenomenal team. I think me, being a, ra- a rotten coach, I'm sure – I could probably win a few games with the Boston Bruins myself because <laughs> I don't kid. have to step on the ice. Mm. I think they would do all the work for me. Uh, I was really, uh, really impressed with Rod Brindamore on the other side of it. I, I don't know who's who are the nominees for the Jack Adams Award, but I think everyone realized that Carolina had better talent this year than they've had in recent years. I don't know if anyone picked them to go into the third round
0: and and be competitive all the way up to the Yeah, third I don't know if they legitimately picked them to go to the third round. Yeah. Um, there's just There was a lot of strong teams in the East, and just weird stuff happened. Yeah. Like, like real weird stuff, so I don't know. What do you do with Williams now? I think prior to
1: maybe this series, just going based on all of the regular season and the first two series that Carolina won, I would have said he'd be an automatic lock for a one- or two-year renewal deal. With Carolina. Is he he a UFA? He's a UFA coming up on July 1st. After this last series, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's got what I need. If I'm the owner group of Carolina, I want a mature presence. And that's why he was there. He was the mature presence to come back to the team and shepherd these kids through the first couple of years of their careers. And for a large extent, he did that. But then he seemed to throw it away. In the last few games. Do you think he retires? I think if he doesn't go back to St. Louis, I believe he does retire. You mean Carolina? Or, uh, yes, Carolina. I think he does retire. I think that uh, he's been around the league a lot of different teams. He's got three cups. It's not like he doesn't have an established yeah. and uh, so he is, resume or something. He's a solid guy. And if he did, if he did not get an offer from Carolina, I can see him maybe picking
0: up a one-year contract anywhere else just to keep playing hockey. But I don't know. I don't know what he does. Here's why I think that he doesn't retire. Right. I think he should retire, but here's why he doesn't. Because his last two games sucked. And he doesn't want to end his that career his on those last two games. Yeah, that's a very good point. Being a dink. Yeah. So yeah. I think he probably plays one more year with Carolina and then probably transitions to the coaching staff uh, on with, with the Carolina Hurricanes. With... Rod Moore with Brendan Moore, that'd be a good tandem. He already because he would already know the group. He's, yep. He likely already lives in Carolina. I would think. Um, I don't know what he has for family and stuff, but uh, it would be an easy transition. Mm-hmm. He's not learning a new arena or a new city or whatever. It's and he can still provide the same kind of leadership. Yep. Um, that he had, and he's he'll be well respected. So, and that would
1: be the best for the Hurricanes to do that. Yes, maybe give him that one-year deal, play him one more year. He's he's thirty-seven. That doesn't mean he's necessarily an old man in hockey years, though he's getting up there. But he yeah. probably has another year or two left of of being a plus player as opposed to a minus
0: player on the ice. I think he does a lot of important things on the ice. Yeah, like, I think he might be able to play another two or three years. But, mm-hmm. um, anyways, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, if if you had if you had to choose, hmm, how am I going to word this? Brad Marchand. All right. Do you think? He, okay, I'll just. Think. Do you think that this has been his best series um, behavior behavior wise?
1: I think so, and and he still behaved badly. I know. So, I, I was trying to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as badly as he's behaved, uh, I think he's behaved less badly. Yeah. Than previous. He's years.
0: calmed down in this series, but he's still done some stupid stuff. Oh, like yeah. not crazy stupid stuff, like typical Brad Marchand, but. Just little annoying stuff.
1: I don't think he got anyone in the beans. Uh, no, I don't. Think I don't so. think he licked anybody.
0: I didn't not. S- I didn't see any licking.
1: So if 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 the opposing team comes off the ice without Brad Marchand saliva on them or an ice pack in their crotch, Brad Marchand is getting better.
0: Yeah, I agree. Or no, no, or no bruises to the back of the head. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought he played real well. Yeah. in this series yeah I do too uh, he's second in points overall in the playoffs uh, behind Logan Couture um, he's he's been fantastic for Boston he's, he really has mm-hmm. and I don't like to say that because I, I don't like Brad Marchand because of the stupid stuff he does it to be honest it pisses me off that he might win a cup not that he doesn't deserve it for his play but just who he is as like a person basically and just his attitude sometimes and stuff like I just don't think that's deserving of a cup but as far as a player, when he's actually playing the game of hockey correctly, he totally deserves a cup. Like he's one of Absolutely. the best players on the ice. So. Absolutely, and that's what's what's why it's so frustrating. Yeah, and it's even more frustrating because because he's a local boy. He's yeah. from Atlantic Canada, where we live.
1: Yeah, where we're supposed to. Yeah. China is an example of of hockey, and and as an example to the rest of Canada of being good sports. Yes, and he's not a good sport. No, he's not. He's a terrible sport,
0: but he's good at sports. I know. <laughs> Dang. It's, a, it's a conundrum. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he. I think he's going to be a pretty impact player for, for the uh, finals as well for Boston. So. Oh, I think so. I,
1: Boston is... They, they have to be excited. And as much as I don't want them to win, I get it. I, I If they do win, I'll understand it. Mm, I'll, and, absolutely. And, and I'll be okay with it. I'm As much as I don't want Boston to win, if they do win, I'm not throwing myself off the building. Yeah.
0: I'm not going to have a bad day. And there's lots of players in Boston that I do like that I definitely will be totally, happy for. Totally, totally. Um, and also... Honestly, most of the Bruins fans that I know, if not all of them except for one, are absolutely f- phenomenal people. Yeah, And I will be very happy for all of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. A little bit of bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sharks and Blues, the other series. Yeah, This series is tied to, as we are um, recording this, and Game 5 is on today. Uh, it's going to be an afternoon game, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. 4 o'clock our time, uh, 3 yeah. o'clock Eastern, I think. And it's going to be in... San Jose, it is, which is a pretty big factor for San Jose because they they are the best home team in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So it's going to be a challenge for St. Louis, and um, that's good because I'm a Sharks fan. So I'm really hoping the Sharks pull off this win. But this series has been interesting. It's been good hockey, but overshadowed by unfortunate plays. So the last game was pretty good. I thought it, it was, was a, really it was good. A, I was just a, it was just a general, good hockey game. Yeah. With no shenanigans or crazy penalties or non calls or calls that should have been called or not called and yeah, so And Saint Louis, as much as they were it looked
1: like they were cruising to victory early in the third. When San Jose scored that goal and made it two one, you could almost see shades of the previous game starting to fall over their eyes. They oh here we go again. Yeah. Because they had the lead and then they lost it and they ended up tying it and then we know what happened in the overtime with the uh non call. And when when San Jose got back in the game, I thought, oh boy, this is this is and I was literally on the edge of my seat. Heck yeah. For that last minute and a half especially, mm. so many face offs back in the St. Louis zone, mm-hmm. so many exhausted uh Players, and they almost scored they almost scored it. And for them to actually get the puck out with, I think ten or twelve seconds left, they got the puck out of the zone. And when the game actually ended, San Jose was still not even fully entered back into the St. Louis zone. Only then did I relax a little bit, yeah, because I am pulling for St. Louis in the series. But uh,
0: and St. Louis took a few shots at that empty net, too, and they did had some icings. I think I think they have one of the worst statistical. Uh, empty net like a, God I'm good at English when they go for the empty net statistically they have the worst accuracy so it's, <laughs> it's embarrassing a little bit but it's almost a meme at this point um, just to circle back on our video that we did the other day mm-hmm. we talked about a lot of things but one of the things we talked about was the possibility of kicking and why can't we why Why isn't that legal? Yeah. Like, what's what's the big deal? Someone in the comment made a really good point that I honestly just didn't think of at the time during the video. It could cause injury. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah. if you picture a goalie sprawled out with his arms down, player close to a glove or, an ar- like, a wrist or something like that goes to kick it, misses or whatever, steps on uh, the wrist of the goalie or the arm of the goalie. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... I know they're padded pretty well, but... Oh, we've seen... That could be a player... Laying down the crease, we Look saw at that. Clinton Larchuk that time. Clinton Larchuk got a skate to the throat. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I I was speaking mostly in jest there. Right. But uh, that is a very good point, and that's maybe one of the one of the best reasons, if not the best reason, to not have a mm. kick as a legal play, because uh, you don't want them moving their skates any more than they already are. Exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, definitely, uh, some kudos to. Bennington and the St. Louis defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, Sharks have been relentless at times. Like there have been 3 to 5 minute periods where it's 5 on 5 but it looks like a power play for San Jose. They're so good at cycling the puck in the offensive zone and uh, maintaining pressure. St. Louis just looks gassed mm-hmm. quite often. Um but you know they're blocking a ton of shots, keeping the puck to the outside for the majority of the cycling. Uh, st. Louis has done a tremendous job at that. So that often gets unnoticed, and especially when it looks like the team is in, in severe trouble. And it it is in trouble when a team cycles the puck easily for five minutes. Obviously, you've got some problems, but um, they look fairly calm. Like, they, they didn't panic. They st- were still playing smart hockey for the most part. Um, so, yeah, had a really good job by St. Louis as far as maintaining that – uh, getting through that pressure from from San Jose and coming out on the other side.
1: You know, and I think the nature of the win, it being as close as it was and St. Louis effectively escaping with a victory there despite San Jose's pressure, I think it re- it actually reduces the controversy of Game 3 a little bit. I agree. And now they have that game. Yeah. If the hockey gods owed them one, well, now they've got it. Yeah, the series is back to basically zero. Yeah. Now it's the best of three. Yeah. So... Now a diehard St. Louis fan would say, "Well, we should be up three-one now." Yeah, yeah, maybe with a chance to close it out this afternoon in San Jose, and and I get that too. I totally understand. Yeah, they it, do feel they were robbed because, if I might, the the goal that decided the overtime, mm-hmm. uh, the the non-call, that doesn't mean St. Louis would have won that game. And I was just about to say that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, San Jose still could have won that game. Totally. So on a clean play, ten seconds later. Exactly. Off the off the face-off. We don't know. We don't
0: know. So. <laughs> Yeah, quick little fact here for you. Okay, not Matt doesn't have anything to do with this series, right? Mark Stone is still in the top fifteen in points in the playoffs, and he didn't make it past the first round. He's fourteenth in most
1: points, and and he's playing in Slovakia (laughs) right now. (laughs) (laughs) That that is a very good
0: fact. Yeah, he's fourteenth. He's playing well in Slovakia too. He is very well. Um just a transition to some rumors here. I don't actually have specific rumors. Um, I do, but I'm not going to say them because I don't know how much legitimacy there is to them. I'm just going to tell you the names of the players who are in ru- in the rumor circle right now, and this includes trades, signings, everything. Uh, Subban, oh, there's been some trade rumors about Subban. Oh, Nylander, Kessel, Truba, Panarin, Bobrovsky. Did you hear what Borovsky did? He sold his... He listed his apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So what's that? I mean, that's a pretty good indication that... uh, Well, I mean, if you look at it this way, if he does sign in Columbus, do you think he's going to be living in an apartment for the next eight or nine years? Probably not. He's likely going to buy a house with his wife somewhere in the area. So either way, he'd be selling his... Or he'd be getting rid of his apartment. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, there's a little bit of hope there, I think, for Columbus, but I mean, I look at that and I see, okay, he's not coming back to Columbus, but
1: who knows. And and it, it certainly fits with the other things we've heard from, from him, right. or his agent, Yeah, uh, that he really, he wants to live in a bigger, more action-y city. No offense to Columbus. Mm. I was in Columbus, I guess it was a year ago today, Wow. on the way home from Dayton, and uh, drove through Columbus, and uh, I thought it was a pretty place, but... Certainly didn't look like Action Town on a Sunday mm-hmm. morning at 10 o'clock. I think he's
0: headed to Miami. <laughs> well, that's, that's what a lot of the chatter is, yeah. Miami. Um, Duchesne, Varlamov, Eberle, Skinner, and just a bunch more. Mm-hmm. Like There's a ton of big names right now out there for trades and signings and stuff. So it's going to be a really interesting offseason. It's going to be a very exciting one. I have some Ottawa Senators news. Okay. Do you know who is expected to interview for a coaching position?
1: I heard that. Earlier today,
0: Patrick so I do Wah. Patrick Waugh, number yeah. thirty-three. Uh, I'm I'm a little surprised. I'm also surprised. Okay, I'm legitimately surprised because he's such a he has such a strong personality and he's so passionate that I don't think that him and Eugene Melnick in a room would get along. Like. I feel like yeah. Patrick Waugh is the type of person that would just rip into Eugene Melnick and tell him exactly the type of person that he is and what he what he's done to this team and all this crap that we've been saying forever. Patrick Waugh is the man to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think if he did that, he'd be out. He'd make it about three games in Ottawa and be fired. So uh, I don't know what's going on there, but it's interesting at the very least. Yep. The last hockey topic that I want to talk about is something I want you to talk about because I haven't watched a single second of it. All right. World cup of hockey. World cup of Can hockey. Okay. Give us a, your experience so far with it. I haven't watched it. I'm, I apologize. I don't know anything. Uh,
1: and I don't know a lot in the detail about who's where in each of the pools. I do know who's playing like Canada plays Denmark tomorrow. Canada has the day off today mm. and they played yesterday and did well. They play. they, they won eight one or something yesterday. Uh, it's a, it's a very good tournament. Seidel's um, playing for Germany, yeah, and doing quite well. And uh, I think I think the uh, Finns, the Swedes, are up. They have they have the same record as Canada: three wins and one loss. Uh, Canada's loss was I think in the first game they lost to Finland, and Finland has a fantastic record right now. Have, is it? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they're four zero one and zero, so they haven't lost yet. Dang. Yeah.
0: Have. Any teams surprised you or any countries surprised you? Um, yes, actually, and it's Germany.
1: Uh, Germany, although they lost to Canada 8-1 uh, in the game yesterday, uh, their record is 4 0 one That's their only loss. And this is a team
0: that went to the Olympic gold medal game, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hockey in Germany has taken a... A tremendous step forward. It's fantastic. In the past two years. Fantastic. So, yeah, that, that's actually pretty cool. I like that a lot, so.
1: Yeah. Canada plays Norway tomorrow, I think it is. Uh, oh. I might have misspoke there. Slovakia, though, they are zero zero and 3 They beat Great Britain. I think this is Great Britain's first time in. It I is. I think they got their way in. So they're and 0 6 It's the first year, and they're playing against essentially a bunch of teams stacked with ex-NHLers or current NHLers who are just knocked out of the playoffs early.
0: I think I heard that Britain's team, uh, their goalie had made like 56 saves. I in, thought, it, yeah, I think in you're the right. Last game in regulation or something like that. Hmm. Now The Czech Republic,
1: after the second intermission, is leading Austria 5-0. And in the second intermission, the USA and Germany are tied 1-1. Oh, snap. So that's that's a great game on the go there. Nice. Uh, and the States is 3-1-0-1. So actually, Germany right now is the better record. Mm. They could have a roughly equivalent record if uh, the States beat Germany in regulation.
0: But, uh, yeah, it's, it's really something. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's all I want to talk about as far as hockey. So. I have one more.
1: Okay. Rumory thing, yeah. hockey-wise. Okay. And I just read this this morning. The Montreal Gazette has a story, a speculation story out. It's not based on anything and they don't even claim that it's based on anything, but they're, they're going over Mark Bergevin's previous comments on offer sheets and how they work. And as you know, with offer sheets, as I think, you know, um, when a player is about to become a free agent an un, a restricted free agent, other teams can walk up and offer them mm-hmm. money essentially. And it's, it's done on a thing called an offer sheet. And when the offer sheet is presented to a player, the local team has an opportunity. The team he's still signed with has an opportunity to match that offer and claim the player. And we've got a situation in Toronto where they've got, they've got some, some high end talent. Uh, They've got a, a huge amount of cap hit going on and they're eating a lot of big money particularly Patrick Marlowe's at least one more year of six point two five million. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Tavares, uh, they're probably happy with him now, but he's eleven million bucks a year. And he's got one, two, three, four, five, four or five more years on this eleven million dollar a year contract. That's that's the the annual cap hit mm-hmm. value on that contract. So now you've got Mitch Marner, who's an exceptional player. He's an RFA at the end of this year, Mm -hmm. and they've taken Bergevin's comments, Marner's potential availability, and wondered aloud, in the paper at least, if Bergevin might make an offer to Marner.
0: Maybe, but Toronto, I don't think, Toronto's not going to let Marner go.
1: I don't think they are. But if you put that offer up high enough, and I'm just looking at Cap Friendly here, right now he's... he's, uh, well, he's he's an he's an RFA. I don't know what his. I guess he's just coming out of his entry level contract, right? So, how much do you think that they should offer him? Well, the speculation in the Gazette was uh, they could they can afford to go up uh, between eight point five four and ten point five six million U.S. Yeah, is the range that they think Marner is probably going to attract. Mm-hmm. So, let's say Montreal steps up with nine and a half million. Mm-hmm. Let's say. Toronto can't afford to keep him yes, at can. that rate.
0: Just, How? They'll trade someone else. They can't let Marner go.
1: Well, I agree with you. If I was Toronto, I would be like, we can't let him go. Toronto, but you're going to have to it's blow not,
0: up a bit of your team to do it. That's fine. It's not it. going to happen. They're not going to keep Nylander and let Marner go. It, that's, that is not plausible in this world that we live in. There's no way that Toronto keeps Nylander and gets rid of Marner because they can't afford him. They will trade Nylander. To keep Marner, a, per, a player that, that they just signed, they will trade to keep Marner. Not going to happen. Personal guarantee. If it happens, I will buy you lunch for a month. I want you to bring me home lunch from
1: Dixie Lee every day from <laughs> Yeah. Um, Montreal, and I, and I don't know what GMs do when they're not at meetings together. Like I, I presume that when they're at meetings together, they all get along pretty well because – Mm -hmm. You don't hear about lots of tugging of war at GM meetings when the league governors meet. But in the other times, Montreal is a very competitive team, so is Toronto. Montreal has a chance to stick it to Toronto here a little bit. So let's say Montreal goes up to $10.5
0: million. So they're basically forcing...
1: Forcing Toronto to sign him and blow up some of their team in order to afford it. Or Toronto could turn around and say, way you go, you can take him. Because if Montreal takes him at that price... Toronto gets two first-round draft picks, a second-round draft pick, and a third-round draft pick as compensation from Montreal. And this is a team that's trying to been building itself out of the draft mm-hmm. for years now and done a fairly decent job of it. And now they're going to throw away a couple of years of high-end potential draft picks mm-hmm. in order to get a player, to overpay for
0: a player that... Uh, that uh, I don't Toronto's. think it's worth... Like I like Mitch Marner, but... I, I like Mitch Marner, too. But. It's not worth paying him $10 million and giving up a bunch of picks for him. I just don't... I I, I just don't... I don't see that being a possibility for any team. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know. Like, Carolina's got a ton of cap space. Maybe a team like Carolina, but if Montreal does that, they're basically... You know, they're pretty thin in the old cap. they got hundreds of thousands of dollars in space versus millions so yeah i think a mitch marner yeah and it's not the mitch marner isn't a good player but he's not like a i don't think he's like a super generational team changing player like i don't think if mitch marner went to the canadians he'd win he'd win them the stanley cup oh he's not i don't see marner as a crosby or an ovechkin like and that's no offense to mitch marner i just don't think his game is as complete as some of the big superstars yet. Maybe it will be, Mm -hmm. but I just don't, I don't see, I don't see that right yet. I think the risk is more than the reward at this point. So. All right.
1: Okay. Just running that by you. No, that's cool. Just
0: running that by you. Anything else?
1: Uh, The only other thing when, when you're talking about uh, Panarin and maybe Bobrovsky, one of the options Columbus has in making them a little bit more attractive is a thing called the and trade. Right now, if they just walk off the cliff on July 1st, any new team can sign them to seven years. But Columbus has the opportunity to sign them to eight. eight yeah. So Columbus could sign them to an eight-year contract and then offer them on trade. And the team acquiring them would have that eight-year contract. Right, And, and Columbus would maybe get more asset for that.
0: That's a pretty respectable thing to do for Columbus mm-hmm. um, because they're helping out the player but they're also going to get something back in return. Oh yeah. So it, it's all about self-interest. Yeah, too, right? definitely about self-interest, <laughs> but, okay. uh, we've seen that before, I think. Yeah. But I can't remember who it was, but there was a situation where that did happen.
1: The only other hockey thing I, I wanted to raise was the Memorial Cup. It's taking place in Atlantic Canada. It started in the last couple of days. There've been two games so far, a third mm-hmm. one today. Uh, essentially for those outside of Canada, the Memorial Cup is a four team tournament of major junior teams. Uh, one from each of the three leagues in Canada, and the host city gets to put a team in. So it's the Prince Albert Raiders from the Western Hockey League, the Sarnia, or uh, sorry, no, the uh, Guelph Storm. There you go. Guelph Storm from the Ontario Hockey League. The Rouen-Noranda Huskies from the Quebec League are the three league champions, so they're all in this tournament. And the Huskies basically beat Halifax uh, in the final, so Halifax is not only a contender because they were close; they are the host city as mm. well. So the Halifax Mooseheads, uh, they won their first game. They 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 actually, even though they're the fourth team in, they won their yeah, game they one on, uh, on Friday. And Guelph beat Guelph beat the Huskies, Ruan Miranda, yes, quite handily, five two. Yeah, so. Nick Suzuki got one goal, and he was on the ice for actually he skated off the ice on several occasions just before. Uh, goals were scored for the uh, for the storm, which was interesting. He's probably not – he doesn't show up really well in the plus-minus. But uh, I've not seen Nick Suzuki play really until yesterday to actually watch him play a whole game. Mm. I was very impressed with him. Uh, I, I waited for a while to see from my own eyes what he was bringing to the team because he wasn't always on camera. Oftentimes other players were doing more of the energetic work he is such an e- economical player. He has economy of movement. He's never in a rush or a panic. He's 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 not gassed. He can play and be very effective without seeming to move fast. Like he's not playing with his hair on fire. He's not skating all over the place. I see you getting a little excited here. Why might that be? Um, I think he was drafted by the Vegas Golden Lights and then traded to Montreal for Max Pacioretty. Yes. <laughs> so he is uh, a Montreal player eventually. And I really like what I see. His hockey sense. And he did make one end-to-end rush that was just spectacular. Mm. He ended up not having enough room to get the puck one more uh, to the backhand and score. But he went from basically his own goal line all the way down. And he did a dipsy-doodle there, just crossing the blue line, Mm. and, and undressed a couple of players in the process.
0: And it was fantastic. It's kind of funny how Montreal, I don't know, like four or five years ago, maybe even three years ago, went from having one of the worst prospect pools in the mm-hmm. NHL mm-hmm. and if you look at Montreal now it's probably one of the most promising prospect pools Tremendous you've got Yami, K- you've got Ryan Paling, Suzuki uh so now there's a Finnish defenseman Einelin or Einen or something like that yeah or Yonelin or Yotalehu or uh I Il- Ilonen I think yeah
1: Y-L-O-N-E-N
0: I believe it's how you spell yeah, it yeah he's but. a pretty important prospect yeah. and a few others as well so yeah um yeah, he's well, I think I think the storm play Halifax today or tomorrow.
1: Yeah, it's one or the other. And in Canada, we have a a holiday tomorrow. It's our um it's similar to Memorial Day which is next weekend in the US, but it's uh, it's a day where we celebrate the Queen's birthday even though it wasn't on May the in this case May the 20th, 20th. And we celebrate the Queen's birthday weekend. It's the unofficial start of summer,
0: Victoria Day.
1: Victoria Day they call it because that was uh the queen, queen when Victoria, invented the holiday, even mm-hmm. though it's now been Elizabeth for 17,000 years. <laughs> 17,000 years, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about hockey Not about hockey. I'm good for hockey. All right, I've got some questions for you. I'm right. Some yak questions. We're transitioning to having a yak. Transitioning. Roll <laughs> the intro. <laughs> okay, so uh, eight questions here. All right. I have some funny ones and some serious ones. The first one is going to be, what is your most radical belief? Oh <laughs> man, I radical like, like when I think out there. Yeah, like I think, I think Yetis exist. I think that's a radical, a, a radical belief. A radical a belief. Um, I'm a very
1: well within the guardrails kind of guy. I know that's why I ask you this question on the whole belief thing. Um, man, just give me a second. I, I'll I'll come up with something. But
0: you don't think Yetis exist? No. We've had this conversation before. No, I don't think yetis exist. Look at the Colorado Avalanche. let us We're going back to hockey. Colorado Avalanche. Look at the culture in Colorado. Look at the secondary logo for the Colorado Avalanche. It's a freaking Yeti foot. You're telling me that they don't believe that there's Yetis and a vulnerable snowman out there?
1: Let's see. Name me the states that marijuana is legal. <laughs> Colorado, I think, was number one. So I think there's a relationship there. Maybe. Anyway. (laughs) um, Man. So what's yours? Well, I think my most radical beliefs probably go into the direction of political things, and we don't want to talk about political things. We do not. So I'm— Do you uh, believe in aliens? Again, we've had this conversation, but— I believe that the chances are virtually a certainty that there's— other life out there. Do
0: you think aliens have watched us sleep?
1: That's the question. <laughs> they <laughs> certainly the haven't question. watched me sleep because if the aliens have watched me sleep, that means aliens are so bored that there is nothing else to watch. Yeah. And I feel bad for the aliens. Okay. But no, do I think the earth has been visited by aliens from other planets? Mm-hmm. No. I do not fully discount the fact that people have seen things mm-hmm. and these things are as yet unexplained. I agree. However, I think it's as likely that the things we've seen and cannot explain could be time travelers from the future as much as
0: they could be aliens from elsewhere. But you can't, you can't, try, you can't time travel back. Are you sure? Yeah, it's it's against the rules of relativity. <laughs> it's, it's proven, you can't do it. it. I don't think it's proven at all. It's proven, the only way that it works is if it's in a different dimension. And then is there a way to cross between dimensions? That's the question. There's a question. Theoretically, it, we're almost there.
1: We are almost there, so you could tr- b- go back in time
0: in a different dimension and then cross over and you've arrived hello but i don't know if you can physically do that it might break the time space continuum <laughs> <laughs> i know it's it's difficult but we can travel ahead in time
1: we can yes we can proven proven so they've that's taken, interesting. they've taken atomic clocks just to prove einstein's theory of relativity they've taken Two identically calibrated atomic clocks, cesium, put one up in orbit for Mm -hmm. six months and leave the other one on the Earth and then recover them. And they are at different times Mm -hmm. because the one up in orbit has been traveling at 17,500 miles an hour, nowhere near the speed of light, nowhere near even a a millionth of a percent. Well, just regular orbit speed, regular orbit speed, which is still pretty darn fast. And over six months, it has traveled far enough around and around and around
0: to actually be behind. Gravity and, l- and speed determine time. Yeah. Like if you put a train on earth and that train went around the world and that train was going at the speed of light, it's lo- it would you could get on the train, spend two weeks on the train, Go around the world at the speed of light, get off the train two weeks later, but on the earth, the rest of the world will, would have experienced four months or something like that. When you go travel the, the, the speed of light, your time slows down and everything else goes nor- normal. Well, so that's technically yeah.
1: time travel. I think, I think the theory goes that if you're at the speed of light, rel- relatively speaking your time stops altogether. You stop. I think
0: it stops.
1: You, you slow down on the way to it, on on the way to that velocity and then on the way out of it. But when you're at the speed of light. Okay. You are, time is passing still Mm -hmm. for you, but it's, it's passing way, way faster everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And if you were 30 years old and you went out at the speed of light and you flew for a year of your time, but there's acceleration and deceleration time built in. And you come back to the Earth at the age of 31, the Earth may have aged a 1,000 years, right? So it's really incredible. All right. So that's how you can travel into the future.
0: Yes, it's not really like
1: yeah. and time be- travel, but it's... When you get to the speed of light, your mass is so massive that you basically can't continue to propel yourself at that speed. So that's why no one thinks other than light itself which has no mass. I don't think photons have mass. There's people on there that will know. Um, I'm wearing the NASA shirt, so I probably shouldn't be talking in this depth because I'm way out of my league. But um, any physical object that is accelerated too close to the speed of light can't get all the way to the speed of light just because there's not enough energy. You don't think so? I don't think
0: so. What about the event horizon of a black hole? Well, I think that's... That's part of it. You don't think a physical piece of matter can get up to the speed of light? Correct. Even even on the event horizon of a black hole. Well, I, I think the event horizon is where that it's proven where that, li- by, where that line is.
1: Yeah, it's where the line is. It's either you're on one side of it, or you're on the other. Mm. I don't think there's.
0: All right. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. That was that question went way off kilter there, but okay. Next question: If a magnitude eight earthquake struck here and it caused a lot of damage, would you consider moving, not due to the damage, but the risk of future earthquakes? And this is kind of an interesting question because we live in a place in the world where there are no earthquakes, virtually none. Like you th- can, if there are, we don't feel them. Yeah, we we don't feel
1: them. Next door in New Brunswick, they have some magnitude three and three and a half quakes from time to time. Uh, that may or may not be detectable here. If we had a seismograph planted in the sand, which is really what PEI is, yeah. it's a sandbar, might be able to pick up some of those waves, but for the most part, no. So it's a very hypothetical question, but um, I guess it would depend on the science. If the scientists came out and said, yeah, this does that magnitude 8 thing, get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be gone. Well, okay. Where but, would you go? Uh, <laughs> I would look at the seismic map yeah. and find the zeros <laughs> right? I, I don't know. I, mm. um, Although, to be a little more serious, if I could be satisfied that my workplace and my home were successfully proofed would, against Earthquake. Would Earthplace, you build
0: an earthquake-proof home?
1: Oh, if, if I could afford to, I absolutely would. Living here is is a very, very fortunate thing, for, I think, for all of our family. And I would uh, have to be really Motivated to not okay. live here. So, all yeah. Right. If, I, if I could have this house or the foundation modified to withstand a magnitude 8, um, I probably would want to stay. It'd be fun. Well, they they would need me. Who would need you? Everybody around would need me in a magnitude 8. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, my antennas and, and my ability to communicate. And Who and would you talk to? All the people who didn't get a magnitude 8 hundreds of miles away that need to know what's going on in PEI.
0: You don't think that they'd know?
1: No. I think, well, when the, because guess what? All the, uh, the locked in microwave dishes aren't pointed in the right direction anymore. The towers have all fallen. Okay. Um, yeah, they might have no way. The bridge might have collapsed.
0: Mm -hmm. Probably,
1: probably would have. They need to know what we need to, uh, get our lives back in order. And they got to find out from me.
0: And you're going to be that guy. I'm going to be the guy. I have to be the guy. I'm I'm, I'm trained. Who are you going to talk to? Like who specifically you're going to, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. No. (laughs) Um,
1: I would talk to probably um, a Red Cross network would be set up. That would be
0: one of the things. So So you would communicate via ham radio? Via ham radio. uh, How would you know where to contact the Red Cross ham radio people? Um,
1: There's basically already procedures established. Oh. I've signed on as a volunteer if needed for the Red Cross. I haven't finished my training. But, yeah, we would have established networks set up. Uh, I could find out just by listening to the radio mm-hmm. where the frequency will be that they will coordinate their disaster relief and the Red Cross will begin to pass the important information, the messages and traffic back and forth that we need to... Uh, so you're going to be the guy. I'm going to be the guy. <laughs> that's that's why I do
0: what I do. It's for a... That's why I learn Morse code. Okay. Yeah. Because it wasn't fun. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Next question. All right. Why is orange juice yellow, but oranges are orange? Well, you've just asked your
1: colorblind father to answer a question about color. Um, until just now, I presumed orange juice was orange because it was called that. But you don't you can't distinguish
0: the difference between yellow and orange? I can as a rule. Like if you look at the orange in this jersey behind us. Right. Does that look different than this? It does. Okay, because this is what the skin of an orange looks like. Right. And this is what orange juice typically looks like. Okay. You don't. You don't notice. You've never thought about it. I never thought about it. Okay. If you think about it now. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. So. What do you think about it?
1: Well, I would say it's probably this: an orange is called an orange because it's orange in color, not be. It's not called a yellow because of the juice that comes <laughs> out of it.
0: Okay, so in your theory, oranges were, um, uh, oranges were discovered before carrots. Because if they if they called an orange an orange, and then they got to a carrot, and they're like, "Oh, uh, orange is used. Orange is <laughs> orange is used. What's this?" Yeah, I guess so. Okay,
1: I guess so. Um, I, and I think that makes sense because uh, if you go back in the long history of of the evolution of our Indo-European language, that goes back mm-hmm. ten thousand years. Uh, it starts really in the northern part of India and moves across the Caucasus Mountains and the Urals and into Eastern Europe and moves across. There are some words that are still used from thousands of years ago. Okay. One of them is ox. 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 O-X. Like the animal? The animal, the ox. Okay. Or oxen, as we would say. The word ox is the same not exactly identical or spelled the same way because none of them even have the same alphabet we do. But the word ox is essentially a universal word from India all the way to Ireland. And, of course, now North America because we're we're settled by Europeans for the Mm -hmm. most part. So at some point, somebody named a carrot. Yeah. Why, I don't know. But obviously not because of, well, maybe... Maybe the word carrot used to mean
0: orange. I don't know. I don't know. So, what's an orange called in Russian? Is it just called an orange? I don't know. I guess is we'll it, have to find is it. Is an Hold on. Is an orange in Russian? What okay. So the color orange. All right. Whatever the Russian word is for the color orange. Right. Is that what oranges are called in Russia? Hmm.
1: Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Do they use the same color word for yes. the fruit as they do for the color itself?
0: Yes. Absolutely. Because a, ba- a banana isn't called a yellow. a yellow. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, precisely. George, George Carlin had a, had a bit of a routine about the color of food. Okay. Which was very funny. But the thing he noticed was, why is there no blue food? Interesting. Because blueberries are not blue. They're
0: yeah. purple. According to George. Uh, I don't know. I think blueberries are blue. I would I would definitely cast my vote for blue. Would you? Yeah, I've seen some pretty blue blueberries. I've seen some purple ones too, so I understand that. He also has one about uh, names of foods. Like he won't eat anything that starts like garbanzo beans. It's got the first four letters of garbage <laughs> in it. Okay, here's the Russian word for orange, okay Now
1: this is the color orange orangevi okay orangevi or orange.
0: maybe it's more likely. okay, so look at that how close it is. right So that's the color. that's what like if you type in oranges well if i if I type orange peel,
1: yeah, okay. We get apelsinovaya korka. Oh. So apelsinovaya is probably the peel, apel, right?
0: Korka might be the name of the fruit in Russian. Interesting. So we've just discovered potentially a conundrum. Could be. I wonder if that's difficult for people from other languages and they come to learn English. Um, I have to correct. Apelsinovaya
1: is actually the word for orange. Because I just typed in orange juice. Okay. A pelcinovia
0: sok. That's okay. Or see
1: okay. Okay. Sok.
0: Well, I'm just confused now. Anyway, if you speak Russian out there, let us know in the comments or any other language. Okay.
1: A sok justa which is please give me some orange juice. Okay. All right. So why do you think it's why do you think the juice is yellow? I have no idea, but I'm. I'm thinking that the foundational color of the inside of an orange was yellow, but as you get out to the peel where it hits the air and there's oxidization and things mm-hmm. like that happen, the peel maybe turns orange. Because the, when you peel an orange, it's actually, you've got some white stuff in there, yeah. right? The, so maybe it's a mixture, maybe it's just the nature of what a peel, a peel's job. An apple skin or an orange skin is to protect what's inside. Right. So maybe it suffers a color change in the course of doing that work.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: That's my best guess, okay. Alex.
0: <laughs> All right. Next question. Right. Is cereal soup why or why not? Is cereal soup? Yes. It is not soup. And you can't just say because it's called cereal. So <laughs> what's your what's your reason? Well, I think soup is where you've
1: you've got the liquid and the solid mixed in and cooked together to create a new thing. Cereal, on the other hand, is a solid over which you pour a liquid a very little amount of the time that it's existence. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of liquid on it just to make it easier to swallow. Okay, So that's that's my
0: uh, really intelligent answer. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Mine would be more temperature-based. Okay. So I would say, I, I know there's cold soups, but when I think of soup, I think of... The temperature, hot, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think cereal, no one eats warm cereal that I know of. And I would venture to guess that even cold soup was cooked at some point. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is hot cereal. Is there? Oatmeal. That's not cereal. That's oatmeal. (laughs) We have a new question for next week. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Next question. In 40 years, what will people be nostalgic for? Ah, I think a few things. Okay. I have an answer as well. One thing will be gasoline-powered vehicles. I, yes, I agree. That's a really good one. I never thought of that, but that's, yeah, it's a really good one.
1: Because I think by then we'll be away from them. Mm-hmm. And what will happen to NASCAR, right? What will happen to um, some of the other things we've come to associate with our culture? hmm uh, Hot Rods. You don't think
0: NASCAR will still exist? I don't know if it will.
1: Uh, in the in a in a piston engine format. No, but I
0: mean there isn't there F1 races now that's strictly electric?
1: There is. It's uh yeah, so it's, it's Formula E I think they call it or something or Indy E. They they do have electronic cars who mm-hmm. electric cars that race. You think it'll be less interesting? Absolutely. I do too. Yeah. Absolutely less interesting. Um, they'll probably have to put speakers on the cars to make them sound like they have motors because mm. electric cars going around the track will a, just, not turn people on. No, it's just a whine. It'll it's, just it's be it's annoying just than whine. anything. Yeah. It'll be, just sound like a bunch of insects or something going around <laughs> and around. It's it's bad enough now with these 12,000 RPM Formula One cars. They sound yeah. like like a beehive as, as it is. No, I think that's one thing people will be nostalgic for, will be gas-powered uh, vehicles.
0: like that answer is so much better than mine. What is yours? memes <laughs> i think I think people will be nostalgic for when memes were created because by at that point, there's only gonna be a couple more memes to make like there's only only there's only so many many memes you can make. I think the original o g memes that will be like.
1: I'm on the bare edge of not even knowing what a meme is. <laughs> I, I know I know conceptually what a meme is. But I don't think of memes. When I first heard you using it and other people, I actually had to look it up. Like what's the official <laughs> definition of a meme just so I don't sound like a total idiot. Okay. Um and I'm still not real solid on memes, frankly. Okay. Sounds good. And I know that, you know, there are memes, but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not all in on the meme thing. All right, sounds good. We'll skip that
0: till a future podcast then. Forty years from now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, what part of a kids' movie has scared you the most? Or were there any kids' movies back when you grew up?
1: <laughs> well, I don't remember um, watching kids' movies when I was a kid, in in theaters, mm. I would often go with. Older groups of people, like relatives. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a kid when I watched Jaws. I was a kid when I watched... Okay, did that scare you? Oh, yeah. Uh, There might still be a streak somewhere in the (laughs) movie seat in Moncton. (laughs) Okay. Oh, like the... I was... I was a very impressionable and, and completely buying in and I could suspend my own reality for a movie yeah. very easily when I
0: was a kid. And that was a pretty monumental movie at oh, the time too. So That
1: mechanical shark that they made to, to look real. And I've never seen a real one. still haven't. Mm-hmm. And I probably never will. Um, but it looked real enough to me to scare the living. <laughs> you know what? Right out of me. And here's the worst part. Um. When I was now a grown ass adult, mm-hmm. okay, Jaws 2 comes out. Uh, your mother and I are going out, we're dating. Uh, she's living on the south side of Fredericton. I'm living on the north side of Fredericton. And we decide we're going to go to Jaws 2 at the Valley Drive-In okay. in Fredericton, which is up, if you go up past the Bucket Club campground yeah. up that way, it's up there or mm-hmm. it used to be. So we watch it. Sitting in a car, like you got reality all around you, right? So you're sitting in a car. Mm -hmm. I drive back to Fredericton. I drop off your mother on Squire Street where she used to live. I come down Regent. I cross the Carlton Street Bridge, which isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm going across the Carlton Street Bridge, which is fairly low to the surface of the water. And it's made up of girders. It's not a big, tall bridge with a cement side on it. It's Mm -hmm. a metallic iron bridge. As I'm halfway across the West, the Carlton Street Bridge I'm thinking that damn movie was set in Massachusetts which is on the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> which is connected to the Bay of Fundy which is connected to the St. John, John River, River yeah. and is it absolutely metaphysically impossible right now for a shark to ju- jump out of the, the water right beside me and land on the road in front of me <laughs> is it impossible and the answer is no it's not impossible it's not impossible so my right foot went like that <laughs> And I sped across a bridge that's so damn ad- narrow. You could probably touch both sides of it if you reached your hands out. As an adult. As an adult. I'm, by this time, I'm 20. That's funny. Or whatever. I am absolutely petrified that, that a shark is, because I'm still in the movie mode in my brain. Mm. Even though I'm now living life normally and I'm driving my car, my, my uh, I guess whatever it was at the time, my 67 Ford Fairlane or my, uh, my 1974 Chevy Vegas station wagon. But I am bootner across that bridge. So, do you not like sharks now? Is that why you don't cheer for the San Jose Sharks? Uh, I have no, I have no opinion on sharks. I'd rather they not exist, I suppose. What? Nah, I, I don't like sharks. Sharks are pro.
0: Okay. Do you well, want to know a fact? Uh, give me a fact. One of the biggest sharks ever recorded. Yes, I know this fact. Has been off the coast of P- Br- Prince Edward Island. Thanks for that. Do you want to know another fact? Sure. Three of the ten largest great white sharks have been found off the coast of PEI in Nova Scotia. Great. (laughs) Come to PEI. We have beautiful beaches, folks. I've never seen a shark.
1: I've never seen a shark either. But, of course, a lot of people who've ended up in a shark's belly likely never saw the shark. That's true. Um, true. The – I had something really funny I was going to say. That doesn't sound like you at all. No, it certainly doesn't. I'm usually never funny. (laughs) Um, But the – I don't know. I just – Oh, I know. It wasn't funny, but it was a, a factoid. You know the Discovery Channel or the Learning Channel, mm-hmm. they'll have Shark Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, it's just a total waste of electricity. How dare you insult Shark Week like that? I just a waste of time. It's a revolution. It's it's dumb. It's what? just absolutely
0: dumb. How is it dumb? Who has time? Who, who has time? Who doesn't have time for Shark Week? Shark Week is Anybody? extremely informative. It's epic. If I could describe Shark Week in one word, it would be epic. It's a waste of electricity. Totally waste. What do you think there should be weeks for? What animal should get its own week? None. None? None. There's no animal worthy of a week? Dogs. Dog week? Dog week. What would would dog week be? I would love
1: to know as much as possible about dogs. (laughs) Okay, why? You don't have a dog. I know. But I love dogs. And they love me. We'll get a dog. Dogs love me. Okay, we'll get a dog. They can write up, I know how to scratch a dog. I'm a dog <laughs> scratcher. I'm a dog whisperer.
0: Someone put that in
1: Wikipedia, said yeah. by Brent. Um, I know how
0: to scratch dogs.
1: The history of humans and dogs goes back thousands of years, and it's a very interesting history. I read an article this past week that, has, that it, they're starting to try to identify the DNA gene in the human genome yep. that makes us, predisposed to want to spend time with or be favorable to
0: dogs. Mm-hmm. So what about cats? Cats, I love cats too. Our history with but cats. cats don't love us. I would argue the history with cats goes back farther than dogs. Oh yeah. Well. you going all the way back to Egyptian times. Yeah. With, with cats, I think
1: dogs actually would, would still go back farther because dogs can help you hunt. Cats don't help you hunt. If if you're hunting with a cat, the cat's hunting for itself. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Cats don't need your help to hunt (laughs) because that's that's how pro they
1: are. Exactly. Cats are are pretty awesome, but we needed cats to get rid of rodents in our grain piles. And that's why Mm -hmm. Egypt and and everywhere since cats have been very, uh, very popular because they're a great pest control Mm -hmm. of other things we'd like even less. Dogs on the other hand, well, and sorry, let me back up. So cats really became important when we started to settle down and farm. Okay. Whereas when we're pre-farming, we're still the hunter-gatherer class at this point. And I think we're hunting with dogs. So I think dogs go back a little farther. I don't know that. That's just a guess.
0: I, I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that you're wrong. I think, I think humans treated dogs like a tool, but they treated cats like gods. Well, I don't, I don't know, maybe. Because cats don't need our help. They don't need us. The cats,
1: cats adopt you. They decide. You do not adopt them Exactly. Cat. And the cat when it's, uh, I forget which comedian said, but when a dog, when you come home and and you've got a dog, it's just like, yeah, you know, it, it's so happy that you're home. And it doesn't care what kind of day you had. Yeah. It doesn't care if you just got fired from your job. You walk home and that dog is just like this. Can't wait to see you. Mm-hmm. And that's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Cats, they're just like. <laughs> you're going to feed me now? Yeah. Cats are looking at you all
0: the time. Yeah, They're plotting how to kill you. There's dogs like that too, though. Really? There are certain dog breeds that stare a significant amount of time deeply. Really? In, yes, the Weimaraners. They oh, just, okay. Just, they just sit there and just look at you.
1: It's weird. <laughs> I guess I have met one, but mm-hmm. uh, I never noticed. But
0: yeah. Um. Okay. So <laughs> dogs should have their own week. Yeah. But cats. Well, sh- maybe cats too. Maybe cats. I'd be okay with a cat. What about a, a cat and a dog week? Like, yeah, sure. Cat dog. Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. For back to the question, for me, it was, there was a specific <coughs> Ernest video where trolls came out of the woods. Uh, I don't remember what the Ernest movie was called, but uh, I don't remember how old I was, but I just remember seeing these big, thick, big nosed, <laughs> gross ass trolls coming out of the woods and I was terrified. <laughs> I was terrified. Their noses were so big. I don't know, I don't know why. Anyways.
1: I, I forgot about the question, but I do now recall another movie I saw. And again, I don't know if it was a kid's movie, but I saw it as a young, young kid. And, well, two. One was The Wizard of Oz, the original Wizard of Oz from 1939, I think it was. Yeah. I saw it on TV probably in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And there's there's little munchkins, and, and they weren't scary, but there was a... A good witch, okay, a beautiful good witch from the north, I think it was, and then there was the wicked witch of the east, I think it was. Isn't it she, the west? It may, I don't know if the wicked witch of the west or the east, but anyway, she was an ugly thing, and at one point the house lands on her, and all you can see is her feet sticking out. Okay, I know it happening. And I about. was just like horrified. <laughs> wow, horrified. I was happy she was dead, but the, the 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 image of this house on top of her with yeah. her feet sticking out was. Really, really troubling for me, really troubling. Another movie that I didn't get scared at so much, but I did wonder was the birds. Oh yeah. The Alfred Hitchcock Uh, movie, The Birds, where the birds are everywhere. Mm -hmm. I know people who've watched that movie and now are scared crapless Are you talking about Mary? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. They just, whether it's a seagull or a pigeon or anything nearby, they just want to get out of there. Mm. Now, to me, the only birds that are scary are the big black crow raven kind of birds that stare at you, right? Mm. And they're very smart. Oh, extremely smart. They can Ooh. speak
0: like parrots. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. going to say something. I don't know. I was going to say something. Wizard later. of Odds and then the birds. Oh, um, Close Encounters of the fourth kind? Third. third. Third kind? That's a That was a pretty scary movie. Did you actually watch that?
1: Yeah, I've seen I, that.
0: I thought you said you hadn't seen it. No, I saw it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I, I think just in general, X-Files. Oh, yeah. Like X-Files, as watching that as a kid, like, terrified me. Yeah. Even now, I'm like, oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, I have All another right. animal-related question. All right. Uh, I, I guess the last one wasn't animal-related, but turned into it. Um, how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant?
1: Do these questions come from the internet? Yep. There are some very sad people out there.
0: These specific questions aren't from people who left yeah. comments on our video. They're from just a random website.
1: Well, I think um, it's not impossible for one chicken to get her done.
0: What are you talking about?
1: You think one chicken can kill an elephant? Poke his eyes out with your beak?
0: How is he going to get up
1: there? Yeah, That's a good question. I guess they don't fly. <laughs> well, maybe the elephant's laying down. The chicken just walks up his trunk and goes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't think that would kill the elephant, though.
1: Well, but if you if you go in the premise that the elephant's standing on all four, on yeah, all four feet. Yeah, it's
0: chilling, in the, it's chilling in, the, in the jungle.
1: Okay, then you're going to need, I think, about 1.4 million chickens.
0: 1.4 million chickens. Yeah. Okay.
1: And they'd have to somehow be able to pile themselves up all around the elephant and starve it of oxygen. Oh. It's all I can think of.
0: Okay, so, uh, wait, hold on. Are these chickens intently trying to kill the elephant? Well, I think they'd have to be
1: you don't, they'd have to have a convention first and have meetings and appoint a head chicken who's going to run
0: things. <laughs> chicken. <laughs> okay, so these are intelligent chickens. Oh yeah. Okay.
1: I no, I honestly don't know. I, it's it's foolish.
0: It's um, a foolish question. I, th- I that's an interesting it. oxygen theory. I think that they could I think they could, if they if these okay, if we're hypothetically talking about smart chickens and they can they can speak to each other or whatever. I'm thinking it's probably be like maybe 500 chickens. Okay. I think they can form a chicken wall and gain elevation from one each other, from like get on get on each other's shoulders. <laughs> kind of like storming a wall. Okay. Get up on the elephant and uh, go to town on it. <laughs> so I'm thinking like 500 chickens. So how would they go to town on it? Neck. Top of the neck, Just but would they peck or would they, oh, yeah. would they? Oh yeah, would they? No, they would both, peck and claws. Right that, the, that's all. That elephant skin is probably four inches thick. That's right. why it's in a You're going to shift basis like hockey. Like one, okay. one chicken goes on, two, two to five minutes. Chicken gets tired,
1: raises the hockey stick, backs away. Yeah, Some other down. chicken jumps over the boards. And, yeah. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. i am, I have nothing to argue on that one. So I think you're right. All right. Uh, last question. If peanut butter wasn't called peanut butter, what would it be called? <laughs> it would be called peanut spread. That's too easy. Sorry. If you didn't know it was made from peanuts and you just looked at it. How could you, you had, not know? And you had to name it. Maybe you're an alien. You come to earth and you look at this thing in a jar and it's got no label on it. And you don't know what peanuts are, but you can speak English. And you're like, I'm going to call this. Goop. Goop. You want it to be called goop. That's not the question you
1: asked me. You didn't ask me what I wanted it to be called.
0: (laughs) So don't take my answer and then change the question. Okay. That's not cricket. I was hoping that you were going to say brown to go with our orange conversation. Oh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Clearly, this is an unscripted show. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs)
0: Because
1: I didn't know that that was on. No, that's okay.
0: Okay, that's all I have for today. So... Thanks for joining me for some hockey conversation. And well, some thank you. Off, Extremely off-topic conversation. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you did enjoy the last half of this podcast um, and you are not aware of our other podcast, Having a Yak, we have, I think, 12 or 13 episodes of conversations just like this for an hour long um, on the second channel, more post-to-post. So please go over and subscribe to that. Check them out if you haven't already. We also have trivia and all kinds of other stuff over there. And uh, thanks for joining us for some hockey conversation the first half. Um, yeah, if you listen to this whole thing and you're okay with the hockey stuff and you're okay with the off-topic stuff, then you must truly be a fan. And I really appreciate that. So hope you're having a good day. hope you enjoy the game today, the San Jose uh, Blues game. And um, yeah, we'll catch you in the next podcast, podcast number 77, next Sunday. Adios.